0: Hello, everyone. We've got a very special Locked On Canadians tonight coming to you after Montreal has defeated Detroit 3 2 in overtime on the back of a Cole Caulfield overtime winner. Surprise, surprise. We're going to break down the show, the new Lions, and what's going on around the NHL and more inside today's episode. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 951 of Locked on Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That is A S -E 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 E medical.com i am one of your hosts i am scott matla i am not alone tonight however we have a very special episode planned for you and i'm going to bring in our guest right now and he is the host of game over montreal this is my former managing editor andrew berkshire andrew thank you so much for joining me after the game here and i'm glad that we have a win to recap here for the montreal canadians tonight pleasure to be here with you Scott as always forgive my
1: mustache I apologize it is November doing it for fun don't know how much longer I'm gonna keep it
0: we'll see I, I was gonna say as Andrew said on uh game over tonight he feels a little bit more like Caillou uh, with a mustache Big Caillou which energy is, which is just a very weird combination of things you look like one of those roughnecks in like every biker bar fight scene that tries to start something with like the Terminator and oh, gets man. thrown through a window.
1: Literally, I was I have these black uh, running gloves that I really like for driving in the winter, and I was putting them on and I was not I was just wearing a T-shirt. but I was like, I don't want my hands to be cold in the wheel when I was going to pick up the kids the other day. And with the new like arm tattoos and I put on the gloves, I was like, I'm a biker now. <laughs> I've never ridden a motorcycle, but I was just like I'm bald. I have a crazy facial hair. I have a tattoo on my arm. I have black gloves i feel like i should be in sons of anarchy right now
0: we're gonna get you a a leather game over montreal like biker cut to wear around uh when you ride your bike and everything in the spring uh when people are trying to run you off the road (laughs) i don't know how much one of those costs but so don't hold me to that however with andrew joining me here we are we have a great show because one i am not going to yell and scream about how bad the canadians have played like i did earlier this (laughs) week uh Thank you for the leeway. I was out of town yesterday. I was doing a work thing where to highlight my day is I drove to Albany on the other side of New York from Buffalo, tapped a keg, filled 30 crowlers of beer, and then had to drive back to Buffalo in the same day. I rolled in, had like a bite of a sandwich, and then fell asleep immediately. So I am glad that we are here on Thursday night and the Canadians defeat the Detroit Red Wings 3-2 in overtime in what was not the... I don't want to call it the, not an exciting game because it had plenty of good moments, but a strong reset for the Montreal Canadiens here. Everything looks solid. We'll talk about the new lines in our second segment, but a strong showing led by Caden Primo between the pipes and Mike Matheson looking like Mike Matheson again. And Andrew, that's... As he goes, that's how this team goes right now, it seems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of funny that Detroit was almost in the same situation. Uh, They mentioned on the broadcast that I think they allowed like the first five goals against the Rangers in their last game. So the Canadians were down 4-0. The Red Wings were down 5-0 or 5-something anyway. And neither team were able to complete the comeback. I think they both ended up losing 5-3, if I'm not mistaken. So both teams came into tonight really cautious i think uh there wasn't a lot of risk taking off the rush things like that uh puck placement was a big deal uh sticks and lanes both teams were very very cagey about defending the middle of the ice there was very few high danger chances in this one but like you said it, it wasn't a boring game but it was very much a chess match game it was a fast game that was played mostly along the perimeter but had their enough moments of excitement and great saves and
0: scrambly moments that it kept your attention. And I look at this too, because it's, I I don't know how good Derek Lalonde is as an NHL coach, because I'm not very good at analyzing NHL coaches, apparently outside of knowing Michel Therrien was not a good NHL coach (laughs) in that Martin St. Louis being able to come off of a couple of games where his defense was a a theory and a concept more than something in physical practice in those games is the sign of somebody who is learning as who is still a very young NHL coach there. The defense, everything was simplistic in the way that they did things. It was smart, snappy passes, quick decisions, but not rash decisions. Everything was done with a purpose and everything was done with pace without rushing everything. And this is a young team. And we know that, sometimes players tend to and for younger players they want to rush things because like oh this is doing well let me take that next step they played a contained game that was conservative without shelling but still aggressive enough that Detroit couldn't just sit at the blue line or deny entries or deny exits in that they had to adjust in game here and a lot of players stepped up in ways that allowed them to have the best games that we've seen from them in a while. Slavkovsky was a lot smarter with the puck, would have liked to you know, maybe get a point or two there, but I thought he played well. Suzuki and Caulfield obviously were very good. Suzuki gets a power play goal. Cole Cole Caulfield gets the overtime winner after just the most bizarre penalty I've seen in my entire life. And I I don't want to talk about anything else except for this right now because I've never seen a goaltender – just hold on to somebody who hadn't <laughs> clapped into them in the crease first and just hugging his stick so much that it prevented his team with an odd man rush the other way from probably having a chance to win the game against Caden Primo, who was outstanding. I I don't know what James Reimer was thinking in that he just held on to Cole Caulfield's stick and just didn't let go. And then the refs called it and they got praised for making a very easy call. (laughs) I I've seen a lot of weird things, but that might be up there at the top of just dumb, weird things I've seen in a game played on knife shoes at, you know, 20 miles an hour every night.
1: Yeah. I wonder if Reimer saw or like the shift before that Suzuki had the puck in the Canadian zone and Ben Sherrod just came up from behind and, Full on slew footed him right next to the boards. Like, I was worried that he was gonna actually get hurt. It was pretty like a really, really dangerous play. And I was pretty shocked that the refs didn't call that, but they weren't calling much at the end of that game. And then Reimer was and the, the refs gave him like five seconds, <laughs> five full seconds holding Caulfield's stick before finally they were like, We got, we gotta call it. Like, this, this, is, this is too dumb. Like, yeah, the refs gave him so much time to make the decision to let go. And I'm assuming the ref also yelled, let go. And <laughs> he just didn't. And eventually they were like, listen, we don't want to do this, but we got to make the call. And it's
0: like, <laughs> had to I, do it. I could understand that. It's like, oh, we thought he had the puck, but he very clearly played the puck forward. Yes. He skated into Caulfield, dropping the puck. And then was just like, I might've screwed this up. Okay, I'm just going to do this and hold on for dear life and hope for the best. And just, I I don't know what else you could expect out of that. Because then you put a Cole Caulfield, who you've now annoyed, on the ice in overtime. And that overtime winner is a thing of beauty. Not just because Cole Caulfield can shoot the puck ridiculously well, he put on a move on Moritz Sider that put a very good defenseman. I know the phrase is on skates, but you get what I'm saying. Just, put him in a blender and yep. then just roofed it. He's lethal when you give him that opportunity. And I know people are like five on five goals and this or that Cole Caulfield scores goals when the game is on the line. Yep. And it's hard to top that feeling. If you're the Montreal Canadians right now, I think that's the biggest thing about Cole Caulfield that sticks out for me is
1: the time and place, right? It's tough enough to be an impact player for the Montreal Canadiens and deal with, the pressure from the fans, from the media, it's crazy. But then you add on top these big moments and like, yeah, it's overtime in a regular season game in a rebuild year, but he just finds a way in those big moments consistently. We saw it in the playoffs against Vegas when Robin Leonard was like, yeah, this guy is predictable. He's just going to shoot here. And then Copield's like, I'm going to shoot exactly where you said, and it doesn't matter. I'm still going <laughs> to score. Like that's what he basically did tonight too. Like, he tucked that puck just under the bar right in the corner. Like when it, the first, uh like when you're watching it the first time, I didn't even see where the puck went in. I just saw the puck coming out of the net on the other side. And I find that that happens a lot with Caulfield's goals. He just gets such velocity and precision. that It's like, well, I don't know where that went in because there was no hole. He just finds it. You know, it, it's really incredible. He has such a nose for it. I guess the hands for it, but Uh, He continues to impress me and the fact that he's doing this while shooting at like half the rate, not in shot rate, but in shooting percentages last
0: year, this guy, I still think he's going to score 50 this year. And here's the thing is the Canadians changed up their lines tonight. He was not playing with Nick Suzuki at five on five tonight. Andrew and I are going to touch on the new lines, what we think worked, what we might change, and that's all coming up in our next segment. But today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Parkview Advance. As a business owner, you realize there are times when receivables might fall behind, but that doesn't mean you need to fall behind on vendor payments, payroll, or rent for more than 25 years. Parkview Advance has helped businesses secure working capital. From $5,000 to $1.5 million. Parkview Advance can improve your working capital in as little as 24 hours. It's a much easier process than you might imagine. We invite the many entrepreneurs that are locked on NHL fans to learn more by calling us at 203 675 or go to parkviewadvance.com. If your business needs working capital, call Parkview Advance today. That's Parkview Advance helping businesses with their working capital. Just go to parkviewadvance.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the folks at Collective. If you run a solo small business, you are an army of one, but you still need a CPA, a bookkeeper, a separate payroll solution, and more. Let Collective take care of the paperwork while you take care of your business. It is the number one financial solution for freelancers, contractors, self-employed entrepreneurs that let you focus on your passion and not your paperwork. Collective knows that if your business makes over 80, thousand dollars a year you will find the most value from their services just let collective handle all the paperwork you dread like corporate formation compliance taxes bookkeeping accounting and even payroll the best part is it's just a fraction of the cost of a CPA join the thousands of solo entrepreneurs who saved an average of ten thousand dollars per year on taxes with their structure so right now collective is offering a free one month and no onboarding fee when you go to collective.com locked on today And tell them Locked On NHL sent you. That's a $550 value for free when you go to collective.com slash Locked On NHL. And tell them Locked On NHL sent you. That's collective.com slash Locked On NHL. And tell them we sent you. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. The Habs beat the Red Wings 3-2 in overtime. They are now tie with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Atlantic standings and we will get to what is going on around the NHL in the final segment today but the biggest thing is Andrew and I were talking before the show because Andrew had me on game over and came on here so graciously for me as the night gets a little bit later here they went with new lines tonight Suzuki and Caulfield are split Anderson a new hookup to the top line uh, Caulfield on the second line with Dvorak and Slavkovsky, the old dudes who are an old line of Pearson, Monahan and Gallagher, and then the fourth line altogether. And it was the thing that we looked at and went, this is either going to go terribly because we know Anderson and New Hook with are, I don't want to say defensively inept, but sometimes a little flighty in that regard. And then it, Everything seemed to work out. I don't, I haven't looked at what the expected goals were five on five tonight, but the last time I checked Suzuki new hook and Anderson were uh, crushing the red wings, depending on which source you were going through. And Andrew, <laughs> I know you're a little bit more statistically inclined than I am, but is that, was that still the case at the end of the night? Uh, overall they definitely outplayed the wings they were like
1: 55% plus across the board uh at, at 5 on 5 so they were definitely the better team tonight i think what stuck out to me the most about the new lines is it seemed like i know after the game uh, st louis was talking about like suzuki and coffield and saying like oh you know distance can make the heart grow fonder like a little separation <laughs> never hurt anyone and it just made me think like this morning, Saint Louis came into the locker room and he was basically like Pam in the office when she finds out that Michael was dating her mom. She's like, "You need to stop this." And Suzuki so and Coffee like, "We're gonna love each other even harder now." <laughs> like they both scored tonight <laughs> with each other on the ice. <laughs> like they played well without each other, but it, they did all their their big moments together anyway, even though they were split up. I just, I love those two guys,
0: Nicole. They're the best. I'm just imagining like Martin saying the wee telling like I'm splitting you and Cole up and then Nick just standing like in the rafters of like the little Caesars arena, like 80 sting with the crow paint, just looking down at the ice. Like how could you, how could you do this to me? He's going to drop down out of the rafters and just hit someone with a baseball bat, which he more or less did with his power play golden. And then Caulfield, like we talked about before, just sealed it. And I don't know long term if this is the solution for the lines. Obviously, you're still missing Kirby Doc in this lineup, which is an irreplaceable part until the yep. Oilers give you something hilarious for Jake Allen in a couple of weeks, but it gives them options now. It is not just Suzuki and Caulfield are the only option. I think Anderson had good chances tonight, still just absolutely snake bitten. That chance at the side of the net where it's open and he just Rene Borks it off the post is It's a culmination of his season is that he probably should have a few goals by now and he's been unlucky, but he played well. Newhook is someone that I'm still learning a lot about because I don't totally know what his fit and vibe is as a player. I know what Josh Anderson is. Josh Anderson is straight ahead. Go score goals with speed. Newhook seems to have parts of that with some shiftiness in his game. I do think that Alex Newhook is a good solution with Nick Suzuki. We know that he is not a center at this point, but if they can get those guys going a little bit along with that third line, and obviously Caulfield is what he is. It takes some of the pressure off of Dvorak and Slavkovsky and might give them some easier matchups and games there. And we're going to start seeing that cascading, the trickle down economics of goal scoring, except this one might actually work and not this one's real. This one's real and won't cripple a generation of uh, potential homeowners. So, I. I, I still want to see Jesse Olinen back in the lineup, though. Yoel Armia has yeah. been fine, and Michael Pizzetta is Michael Pizzetta, and Jake Evans is a great fourth-line center. I just really want to see that speed and offensive upside back in this lineup because he's someone I think should be on the power play, uh, on that second power play unit, and just adds a little bit more than Armia does in terms of offensive panache to a team that sometimes could use that in their bottom six.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, watching that fourth line, they had really strong underlying numbers this game and the last game against uh, Tampa. They were like the the best line, but I I watch them, and I'm like, Jake Evans, he's doing great stuff. He's working his tail off, and Michael Pozzetta, man, hardest-working player in the league, brings energy, knows for the net, uh, hits guys constantly, and Army is there. <laughs> That's the most kind thing I can say. Like once in a while he makes a good support play, but like when he's carrying the puck, how many times can one guy get pickpocketed from behind? Like there's just no pace to his game. And I think he had a good game, his first game after being called back up. I think he scored that one as well. And it seemed like after that, he's like, eh, I'm fine. You're on the precipice of not being an NHL player, man.
0: Can you skate? And that's exactly It is like, I don't want to be mean to y'all Cause I don't know if it's still like, I thought he was suffering from long COVID for a little bit, just the way that his pace, he's never been a fast player, but he used to be so much more efficient than he was currently at. And I'm hoping there's a team that just wants a stabilizing presence. Cause I don't think he's a bad player. I just think he's one that doesn't fit the makeup of this team right now. And with Corey Perry, who could play at that similar pace with smarts, everything kind of worked out. It's, I don't know if it's showcasing or what, what Kent Hughes is cooking. And I'm sure he's got something up his sleeves because he's Kent Hughes and that's what he does. I'm intrigued to see how they shuffle lines around a little bit this weekend. Boston on Saturday and then Vancouver on Sunday, I believe. Not exactly too easy back-to-back games. And Vancouver's shooting the lights out and Boston is Boston. The opportunities are there, and we're going to see can they match up if they keep Suzuki and Caulfield separate. There, I don't know if the Bruins are getting Charlie McAvoy back for this game or not. Uh, If they're not, I think the opportunity is there to take some advantage of the Bruins' defense right now, and having Caulfield and Suzuki on separate lines is part of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it could be something that's advantageous. I think the Bruins are such an annoying team because for the second straight season. Uh, like, frankly, they're not great. They're a good team, but they're just not great. They're currently 13th in the league in expected goals for percentage. Same situation. Like they're actually being outshot right now overall at even strength. And then they're just PDO gods. Like they're save Their goalies just save everything. Their shooting percentage is always sky high. Like I was looking because someone on Twitter actually asked earlier today, Uh, Like for an easy explanation of what like PDO is, just shooting percentage plus save percentage team-wide smashed together, it should add up to about 100. There's variance between teams based on talent level, but generally if you're above 102 with your shooting percentage and save percentage smashed together, you're probably going to regress down to 1,000, and if you're below uh, 98, you should probably, like you'll eventually regress the other way up. The Bruins right now are at, 103.6 103.6 and last year were about the same like how do you lose patrice bergeron and still be pdo gods like their center line might be the worst in the entire nhl and yet they're still doing this thing i mean can't keep enough. getting
0: away with this that's exactly
1: how i feel it's like jesse pinkman like looking at all the data i'm like how is this happening it doesn't make sense but I, they're frustrating.
0: It, it's unfair, and maybe they'll have, they'll have a regression against the Habs. That would be super dope and fun, be fun because it. I haven't had Bruins fans angry in my mention. No, that's a lie last year because apparently A.J. Greer did nothing wrong when he uh, split open Mike Hoffman's face. So, uh, well, this is actually a perfect transition because there's a lot going around around the NHL right now. Uh, the Toilet Bowl is currently going on between the Sharks and Oilers. We're going to check in on that all the rumors around the NHL and everything. And that's all coming up in our final segment. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. We are wrapping up the show tonight. If you have mailbag questions, we are. I am pushing that probably to Tuesday next week because two weekend games, three up and three down this weekend. So I am going to need everybody to please just tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, uh, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com all right andrew it's currently the toilet bowl is happening uh we got a score update it was zero zero when we left game over to come record this show do we have an update on that right now we sure do it is currently one nothing sharks
1: (laughs) (laughs) being outshot i think it's like 14 to 6 but uh Um. the oilers They, you know what the Oilers this year remind me of the Oilers before McDavid, where it's like, Oh, this is the year. This is the year, even early McDavid. And it was like, they find ways to fail spectacularly. They're very clearly a good team. (laughs) Their goalies
0: can't save anything. You hate to see. And it's like, I know everyone's like Jake Allen's going to go to the Oilers. And I'm like, it makes too much sense for it to not be the case. And any trade there would mean Jack Campbell likely has to come back in the deal to make the cap hit work to which I say I don't want anything to do with that because they no. can't even flip him for anything because he's been he's been basically abysmal since Brendan Gallagher scored on him in game 7 in 2021 and I Kyle Dubas made a lot of mistakes Jack Campbell was not one of them for them because yeah. I'm imagining this Leafs team with Jack Campbell in net, and oh boy, would that be even funnier at this point? I, I know, like, it's I, do you remember? Like, the Leafs fans are really upset
1: when he went to free agency and then he signed that contract with Edmonton, and everybody was quiet. <laughs> They're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna stop crapping on Dubas now because that's I, not uh, it's, that's it's not nobody, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's,
1: it's not gonna happen. I, you know what. Jake Allen probably his contract is too tough to fit for Edmonton. They're in such a cap crunch. I would not write off the idea of Sam Montembeau going there. I know the Canadians like just recently said he wasn't going anywhere, but I still I don't believe he's the goalie of the future. I think right now the goalies that they do have, Jacob Fowler, is the closest to that. The fact that Caden Primo is not looking afraid of the NHL anymore, uh, that's a huge change. For the Canadians in goal, you know, they probably don't want to be stuck where if one guy gets injured, you're going to Dobesh, but
0: they kind of have no choice here. It's just the gap. And that's the thing is it's my thought was that does Primo look like an NHL quality goaltender? Okay, cool. He's the one going. He's got another year on his contract. He's making like. I think just sub $1 million or something like that, that if he's an actual NHL goalie, you can probably get the most in a package for him if you're not trading Jake Allen at this point. But if he's also cheap and he's that good, you might as well keep him for your rebuilding team. It's a weird paradox for things. And I'm if the Oilers lose this game, someone's getting fired, which I think will be absolutely... H- I'm sad this game isn't in Edmonton because I am so sure that there would be jerseys on the ice by the end of the second period oh did you see what happened to Arturi Lekkonen Sorry I heard he like, went into the boards head first and looked to not be doing great it's that was awful last oh it's no it's awful man uh, apparently he has he's got
1: full movement and control of his body at the hospital right now but wow I just you know because we're doing around the NHL I was looking and holy man that just
0: a complete freak collision it's I was listening to the abs broadcast against the devils the other night driving home. And I'm listening to the broadcast, like Arturi Lekin and he's never been in the doghouse. They can put it. It's not a demotion to the second line. It's everyone on the second line is getting promoted to playing with Arturi Lekin. And I go, that is our boy. Yep. The mo one of the most underrated Habs in the last like, Five to ten years there. And I miss him dearly. Glad he got his cup. It made sense to trade him at the time. I'm never not going to be upset that he's not a Canadian anymore, though. Same. So uh speaking of around the league here, then, and we, we it was gonna come to this sooner or later. The Canadians and Leafs are tied for fifth place in the Atlantic standings. <laughs> Habs fans are going, Wow, we're tied with the Leafs, that's great. Leaf fans are going, we're tied with the Canadians. I'm going to throw myself off the gardener at this point. Uh Every single one of Brad Treliving's off-season acquisitions uh, has blown up in his face almost spectacularly at this point. Domi hasn't been very good or effective. He had a nice assist on Nick Robertson's goal last night. Tyler Bertuzzi, I know he scored, doesn't seem to fit anywhere. John Klingberg cannot defend, and Ryan Reeves is the fakest tough guy in the league. After Arbor Jack, I punked him in game one. The summer of Brad is... Uh, it's a dud so it's far. to the autumn of bad. <laughs> like,
1: it's been rough. I mean, should we really be surprised that the guy that traded a first-round pick to get rid of Sean Monaghan and then gave a billion dollars to an older Nazem Kadri and bought high on Jonathan Huberdeau and then signed him to a ridiculous contract that under no circumstances did he ever deserve or earn has been terrible for the Leafs in this first little bit as well. I guess we shouldn't, right? Like this is Brad for living and like maybe we could write off that the end of Calgary was a mess because Gaudreau wanted out and Kachuk wanted out. But I don't know, man. You look at their drafting history, you look at all the moves that they've made talking to like Peter and Audie, who do game over Calgary when I was in Edmonton the other uh, week for the heritage classic, they brought up that Calgary has won one playoff series since 2004. How- That's the most mid team in a league of mid teams. Like they, There's nothing happy there. That's why Calgary's fan base
0: doesn't really care. There's nothing to get excited about. They know their team is mid it's kind of wild to me that they're that team, like they're the capitals without the Stanley cup at this point, or the people cheering for someone on their team to win that cup. And there's no better time to really be holding one of their first round picks. If you're the Canadians. And I know it's likely not going to be this year's, but if this is a team that's going to blow it up. And I mean, Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, um I don't know if Lindholm, Lindholm didn't get extended in the off season, Correct. I know. I, I don't did. think so. No. If they're going to blow it up, uh, having their first-round pick, not even this year, but for 25 or 26, which are unprotected, it's a pretty good thing to have in your pocket if you're Kent Hughes there and your team is heading in the opposite direction. Uh, And I guess the last thing around the league here to check in on is whatever the hell is happening in Ottawa, which swings from, wow, this is great, to wow, this team has never played together a day in their lives. And for I feel bad for Michael Andlauer, who – got sold a false bill of goods going into this, either that or he didn't check the, uh, check the receipt on his way in. But I, the Habs vibes in the Atlantic division out of the Canadian teams that are there don't seem terrible. And it seems to go Vancouver, probably Winnipeg. And then the Habs fans in terms of like Canadian teams. Yeah. Which is a weird thing. Cause Winnipeg is Winnipeg. They don't have an airport and it's freezing nine tenths of the year. <laughs> And they're somehow very happy right now, which is a wild thing considering that team is constantly teetering on imploding upon itself. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, I think the
1: Canadians fans are among the happiest of all Canadian teams. It is a strange situation to be in, but yeah, Toronto's miserable. Ottawa, you know, this is year three of uh, the rebuild being over. (laughs) And yet here we are. I really like a lot of the pieces in Ottawa. I really do. I don't know how they're losing so often (laughs) because like they're five and seven with a plus three goal differential.
0: Like what are you doing? I don't understand these guys. I'm afraid that if Ottawa gets an actual NHL coach, they'll be good. Mm. Uh, Yeah. I can see that happening. I out of teams in the, in the North in, would you bet on it? Scott Shane Pinto white. Anyways, here's the suspension (laughs) news sponsored by, and like, I look at the Atlantic division. I go, okay, Boston's got a very good coach. Don Granado's getting a lot of really good stuff out of the Sabres team there, even if they're struggling a little bit this year, Montreal with Martin St. Louis is rebuilding. So the expectations are low, but I look at the other coaches in this division and I go Derek Lalonde, I don't know what you are. Detroit needs to be good sooner or later. I don't believe in Sheldon Keefe in the slightest. I don't believe in DJ Smith and Paul Maurice is Paul Maurice. Like, yeah. At at a certain point, if your elite talent doesn't buoy your team, it's a good thing for the Canadians that Sheldon Keefe got extended and has come into the season and been like, what if I just play John Klingberg even more? (laughs)
1: It's (laughs) not
0: working. He got a healthy scratch uh, in
1: their next game, I guess. On on Friday, he's announced as a healthy scratch. So stop icing
0: Ryan Reeves then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I honestly, it.
1: I think Sheldon Keith is actually quite a good coach, but it's this weird situation where he is a fantastic regular season coach for the most part. They do good things; the underlying numbers are strong. But I think every single playoff series he's done, he's been drastically out coached. He's almost like bizarro world, Michelle Terrian, where <laughs> Tarrian is like the worst coach ever in the regular season, but his preparation for the playoffs is actually quite good. And his team is often surprised in the playoffs. So I don't know, I don't know what to think about Sheldon Keefe. Maybe he's just young and he needs to learn to keep it a little bit tighter to the chest, uh, in the playoffs and not get so emotional. But the Leafs, I think the biggest problem with the Leafs is that they're big four are losers. To be frank, <laughs> except for Nylander. Nylander is not. And ne- Morgan Riley was great last playoffs, too. But Matthews, Tavares, Marner, when push comes to shove and you need somebody to, like, stick their face in front of a puck to deflect it in, bad.
0: It wilts. Yeah. Like, just, and they're phenomenal players. This does not take away anything from any of them, but. Oh, yeah. Matthews is generational. I was going to say, it's like they won, they won a round and won one game. And it's like you won two more games than you have before in the playoffs. You should have higher standards than that. Uh, And here's the thing is, by the time that I come back to record on Monday, the Habs might be in last place in the Atlantic for all I know. So uh, I'm going to wrap up the show. Andrew, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and the folks at Game Over before we wrap up? Yeah, yeah. You can
1: search Andrew Berkshire on any social media of your choice. I'm on like all of them now, unfortunately. I have to (laughs) figure out how to handle all that. But uh, you can also search Game Over Montreal on YouTube. Go to SDPN as well and subscribe there. Got our whole Game Over slate that covers all Canadian NHL teams. It's a fun year
0: to be uh, doing this, as always. So check us out. Uh, Make sure you're following us on twitter at lo underscore canadians can follow laura at the active Stick. she will be back next week you can follow me at scott madlow we are available wherever you get your daily podcasts google apple spotify and if you are watching on youtube thank you for subscribing tell all your friends and folks we will see you all next time